and the book of Psalms 119 Lamentations chapter 3 in case you are looking for where that is it is immediately after Jeremiah Jeremiah is a big book to find and uh, Lamentations is a small book so you can use the book book big book to locate the small book Lamentations chapter 3 I want to read verse 40 and the word of God says let us that is every one of us no exception let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord Psalm 119 And I want us to read just one verse, and that is verse 59. Psalm 119, verse 59. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I wanted to underline my ways and then turned my feet my ways and then turned my feet and in the first one that we read he said let us search underline the word search then he said let us try it's not just enough to search when you identify then he said try our ways and then he said let us return to the lord by the grace of god this evening i'll be speaking on the subject minister check your alignment minister whether you're a minister a deacon a church officer or just a worker or a christian is a check your alignment a l i g n m e n t check your alignment minister check your alignment shall we pray heavenly father we thank you for your loving kindness and for your tender mercies. Thank you for inviting us to be partakers in your great work. Thank you because who are we that you will invite us to partake of such a wonderful, wonderful assignment. Our own part, Father, we know is to yield ourselves and to submit ourselves to you in such a way that you can first of all make us feet instruments and then use us to do your work for your own glory and father today as we put ourselves under the searchlight of your word to bring alignment into our lives and ministry we ask that you help us identify those areas gray areas that need to be dealt with to such a degree and in such a way that we bring the best out of who you have made us to be and that we may become the kind of people according to your predetermined cancer that we ought to be take all the glory for all that is wrought in our lives and through our lives we worship and praise you father god thank you in jesus name we pray amen minister check your alignment as a believer and a minister one of the temptations we need to guide against in our lives and in our ministry 
is temptation of departing from things, from places, from people, and from commitments that are crucial to the fulfillment of our destiny. Whether you know it or not, every one of us is tempted at one time or the other, in one place or another, to depart from people, from things, from places, and also from commitments, which are crucial to our fulfilling the destiny that God has for us. We may not know that we are departing when it begins to occur. But at times, after we have departed from things, from people, from places and from commitments, one way for you to know you have departed is you will not be able to achieve the destiny you are consciously aware of earlier on that God had in mind as it were for you. In other words, what I'm saying is this. If you are going to fulfill your destiny, you are going to have to be consistent and to take heed not to depart from things from places, from people, and from some commitments that are vital to getting to the place that God has in mind for you. You are going to have to be consistent. You are going to have to consciously make the effort not to depart from some things, some places, some people, and some commitments that God, that, that God will want you to make so as to fulfill the purpose that God has in mind for you. Is a temptation every time either due to satanic enticement human inducement personal ambition unfavorable circumstances or pressures from others all of us are tempted we are tempted to depart we are tempted to abandon we are tempted to break from things uh, people commitments and places that God wants us to be so as to attain our destiny. We are tempted. If you want to ask me these, I will tell you that I have been tempted several times to depart from the place of God's choosing for the place of my desire. If you want to ask me these, I will tell you I have been tempted at times to depart from people that God had put in my life either due to satanic inducement other people's pressure or personal ambition or unfavorable circumstances have been tempted there is nothing in being tempted if you remember that Christ was in all point tempted as he had but he did not sin you will know that to be tempted does not is not equal to committing the action you could be tempted you could feel like you could even say it to yourself you could even think it but once you do not carry it out it remains unborn. What does it mean to depart? To depart means to go away from. To depart means to go away from a thing, a person, a place, or a commitment. What does it mean to depart? It means to die to. I mean, there are some relationships like I'll be sharing with you tonight that God had strategically put in your life for the purpose of working out His will and His purpose in your life. At times, it's not every relationship that is in your life that you are happy with. It's not every relationship in your life that you can see God's purpose for. But let me say this, as far as God is concerned, there are certain constructive, redemptive, positive relationships that He brings us into. And at times, you are tempted to depart. 
In other words, to go away from it, to die to it, to abandon it, to leave it behind, due to personal ambition at times, on your part, or satanic enticement, human inducement, or so many other things, pressure from others. Others will tell you, why are you still doing that? Why are you still there? Why are you still with that person? Why are you still in that place? Why why do you have to why do they have to keep you in that position instead of having promoted uh, have, uh, have no power? Why are you in that position? They should have promoted you by now. And due to that, you are tempted to depart. It is something that happens to every one of us. The self-same affliction is accomplished in the brethren all over the world. To depart means to leave. To depart means to deviate, to go away from. To depart means to quit. It means to withdraw. It means to be out of line with. It means to be out of place. So everyone, one temptation you are going to have to handle as a minister is the temptation to depart from things, from people, from places and from commitments that you have made which are crucial to your fulfilling destiny. God requires in such situation when you feel like departing, God requires you to continue, like I'll be sharing with you tonight. God's word is full of many, many people who departed. Many, many who departed. And God's word is also full of various warnings to Christians, to workers, to ministers, that they should be careful not to depart from things and people, places and commitment they have made which are crucial to their destiny there is a place you are going on the pla on the way to where you are going on the place on the way to where god wants you to get to you are going to acquire you are going to have to encounter some uh, some temptations to break away from to free yourself from to deviate to go off to be out of place with reverence to certain things and positions and people and commitments which however God wants to continue in so that you can attain unto your destiny. The word of God is full of so many people who departed from things, from commitments, from positions, from persons that God have had them made in order for them to fulfill their destiny. Some people like Samson, Samson departed. Samson was by birth supposed to be a particular kind of person. The secret of that thing was supposed to be with him. It was not supposed to be commonplace and commonly shared with everybody. But he shared it. He departed from that place of agreement with God. To a place of spreading his pearls before swines. And you could see that he never fulfilled destiny. Saul was another person. Saul was someone who God, according to his own predominant counsel, made to be the king of Israel. He chose him by a deliberate design. Some must have attained to a particular level of excellence. But at the point in time you discover that Saul departed from the place where God had put him. He departed from the person that God had put him in charge, which was Samuel. And eventually you know what happened to Saul. God also departed from him. There is no way you can depart from a thing, a place, a people, and a commitment you have made, which is crucial to your fulfilling destiny, there's no way you can depart from such things and still be able to get the same result you should have gotten if you had continued in those things. Departing can be very costly to us and it can be very profitable to the devil and it can be very costly to God's work.
Several other people departed in God's word. The church of Galatia, Galatia, the Galatians, departed. Paul said in Galatians 1, 6, said, I marvel that you are so so removed from him that called you to another gospel. They departed. Psalm 16, verse 4 says, Their sorrows shall be multiplied. Who hasten after another God? God's word is saying it is costly to depart. To depart from a thing, a people, or a place, or a commitment that God had made you make to another thing. Say, their sorrows shall be multiplied. One translation says, sorrow shall come to them from every direction. Who departs to follow another God. The Galatian Christian departed. Galatians 3.3 Paul said, oh you fully Galatians. Having begun in the spirit, are you not perfected in the flesh? Again in Galatians chapter 5 verse 7. He said, you did wrong well. Who did hinder you? The Galatian Christians were doing very well as far as Paul was concerned. But they left that place where God had put them into another place. Another person that departed in the Bible was Noah. When you read the history of Noah, you know he was a foolish person. In Galatia, in Genesis chapter 6 verse 8, the word of God tells us that Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. Among his own generation, there was no one like him. He was singled out for blessing. He was singled out to chart the beginning of a new generation. God was angry with human beings that he had made before Noah. He had to destroy the whole world with flood. If you read Genesis 6 verse 3, he said when God saw that the thoughts and the imagination of the hearts of men were wicked, wicked and evil continually, God made up his mind to destroy the generation. But they singled out Noah. Noah and his three sons. The three sons were partakers of the benevolence that God showed Noah. But you know something? A time came when Noah departed. Noah went into some excessive drinking of what he was not supposed to be a particular of. And he lost his position. He forgot his commitment. He lost, he lost the place that God had put him. And destiny as it were was no longer his portion. Ladies and gentlemen, it can be very costly to depart. It can be very painful to depart. It is profitable for the devil for you to depart from things and places and people and commitments that God knows are crucial to your future and destiny. But it's unprofitable to the work of God and it's unprofitable for you to depart. And that's why the message of today says, um, Minister, check your alignment. I'm going to tell you what alignment means and I'm going to assist you in checking your alignment whether it is out of gauge. Several years ago when they gave me a panel van for the first time, someone was merciful to me when he saw how pitiful I rode on the motorcycle every time. So he went and bought a panel van and gave it to me. And I was riding it around and one time it was making some noise. It was not moving at the pace at which it's supposed to move. So I went to the mechanic and I said, something is wrong with this car. The mechanic checked the wheels and saw nothing. Then he said, oh, probably, sir, you need to go the, the, the fuel station. And then you, there is a pit there. They will go on it and then they will check your alignment for you. And when I checked my alignment that time, I was able to make the proper correction. And that helped me to be able to continue using that car for a long while until God visited me again with another gift. So at times you need to check your alignment because your alignment is important to what your destiny and your future has for you. Several people, or several women in the Bible, departed. Solomon was another person who departed. God appeared to Solomon in a dream in First Kings chapter three, verse five. Second Chronicles one seven. He said, "Ask me what I shall give you, 
as Solomon asked the Lord and the Lord he, he told the Lord what he wanted the Lord to give him and God gave him everything and God made Solomon to realize that as far as his position was, 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 was before God he wanted him to remain there and be the, the best of the kind of king that ever ruled Israel but along the line Solomon departed we are told in 1st Kings and I want us to read 1st Kings 11 the sad story of this wise king that eventually became the most foolish person because God knows that there is a tendency to depart he knows there is a, not just a tendency but the temptation to depart not only is there a tendency and the temptation but the pressure to depart and so he warned him he said you are going to have to be careful so that you not depart in 1st Kings 11 I read from verse 1 to verse 4 but King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonites, and Hittites, of the nation concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. He said, Of this same nation, Solomon cleave unto these in love. You know, at times we love the things that God said we should hate. You know, God won him. God knew the position we are going to put him. He knew the tendency, he knew the pressure, he knew the difficulty that he was going to enter if he should expose himself to these things. And he warned him, said, these nations don't have anything to do with their women or anything. And the Bible said, all those same people, you can't expect a wise man to do that. But at times, you know, as Christians, that's what you do. You don't expect a wise man to do it, but a wise man, you see, quote and unquote, does them. And in verse 3, the Bible said that he had 700 wives. <laughs> I mean, those of you who are married know this. This man must be a superman. Living with one wife is a challenge. Now, having 700, what kind of a wisdom do you want to, do you want to, do you want to put it? Not only 700 wives, princesses, princesses. In other words, this we are women from executive background. Women with noble bath, bath backgrounds. Not only that, he said, I'm 300 concubines. This man was contending with 1,000 women. Just imagine what it means for a man to have time for 1,000 women. And his wife turned away his heart. Well, you see, God knows what the effect will be. So he says, don't. 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 Don't depart. But you see, the man took God for granted. And eventually the result is there for everyone to see. He departed. God's word also tells us about another person who departed. Lot. Lot was another person who departed. Ladies and gentlemen, in the last days in which we are, there is a tendency to depart. And these warnings are in the Bible, and these examples are in the Bible, that there shall be a departing. And that is why Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 says, He said, Take heed, brethren, unto yourself, lest there be in any one of you a hidden, uh, 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 a wicked heart of unbelief in departing. Which means departing, as God puts it in that phrase, departing from things and people and places and commitment that God wants you to make. Departing from that, he said, it is as a result of an evil heart in departing from the living God. So departing is very costly. It can be very, very expensive to your destiny. It can be very, very destructive. It can bring you down. It can nullify whatever, so to speak, your achievements or attainments have been if you depart. And this last day, the Bible tells us there will be a lot to do with departing. And then 1 Timothy 4.1, it said the Spirit speaketh expressly that the last day some shall depart from the faith. 
Do you know there are people in ministry today who have departed from the faith? How do you know they are departed from the faith? In ministry, they are doing what they are not supposed to do as Christians. Ministers of the gospel, men of God, women of God, young boys and girls coming up in Bible school. In ministry, they are doing what they are not supposed to do as Christians. Now, it is the best of Christians that are supposed to be in ministry. Because in those days when they choose priests, they always choose priests from among the Levites who are the best stock. It's supposed to be the best of believers who are supposed to be ministers. But you see people today in ministry who are doing what they are not supposed to do as Christians. And so you are surprised because you, you, you expect so much from a minister. But here is a minister doing what even a Christian is not supposed to do. Lying in the feet. Being deceptive, being double-minded, going into gossiping, envy, jealousy, backbiting, and all manner of things that will not even can be named among Christians. Things that if a Christian does, it will irritate. But you find it in ministry. You find it among ministers to one another. You find it in ministers to congregation. All of such things are very unfortunate. God's word tells us in the last day there will be a departing. Says some shall depart from the faith. I thank God he did not say many, he said some. <laughs> I, whenever I read that, I say, Praise God, there are still 7,000 Elishas whose knee have not bowed to bow. He says, Some shall depart from the faith, giving you to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Doctrine of devils. Doctrine of devils. If you hear some of the doctrine from some pulpits, you will think they are representing Babalawo or, or satanic agents. You will not know that they are preaching from the Bible. They say things that are indefensible. They say things that you cannot comprehend as a Christian. I, I was saying something. I said I stood in the place and I listened to a man speak. And he spoke for 45 minutes. And I said to myself, if I were never a Christian, I would not become one because of this man. Because everything he said was completely, completely contrary to God's word. What am I speaking on today? Minister, check your alignment. It's not just enough to say, well, you know, I am preaching, I'm pastoring. At the end of life journey, not only will you be responsible to save yourself, but you'll be responsible to save them who hear you. Put that at the back of your mind. It is not just for you to make heaven. Even if it is just going to be for a while, it is important for those who hear you to make heaven the same way. It is not for you to feed them with what cannot save them. What you feed yourself with is what you should feed them with. Anything you are going to say to them, let it first of all be good for you. If it's not good enough for you to feed on, then there is no reason for you to give it to someone else, as it were, to feed on. But in the last days, there will be departing. Matthew 24, 12. He said, because iniquity will abound, he said, the love of many will wax cold. They will depart from their heat. They will stop being hot. They will stop being fervent. The word of God says in Romans 12, 11, not sloughing in business, fervent in spirit, as it were, serving the Lord. The Lord. Serving the Lord. If you are going to serve God, it has to be on the basis of being fervent. When Christ was here, one of the things he said to the churches to Apostle Paul, I mean, one of the things that Christ said to the churches to Apostle Paul, in Ephesians 5, 17, 18, he said, be not unwise, understand what the will of God is, he said, be not filled with one one day. He said, but be filled with the spirit. He was talking to the church of Ephesus. But do you know that the church of Ephesus did not listen to what um, Apostle Paul said? They departed. They departed. Because the same church of Ephesus that Jesus spoke to through Apostle Paul that they should be filled with the spirit was the same church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 verse 4. 
that when Christ was speaking to Christ said I have something against you he said you have forgotten your first love now someone may ask me what has been filled with the spirit got to do with God's love the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 verse 5 he said the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by what the Holy Spirit so it means the Holy Spirit was not fresh in them and so they were not strong in love as Christ wanted them to be they did not maintain the freshness of the spirit so they could not maintain their love for God and Christ said I have something against you you've forgotten your first love then he told them he said remember the place from where thou has fallen there was a place a place that was important to be fulfilling their destiny as a church remember the place from when thou has fallen then he said repent and do the first works or else he said I will come and I will take the candle out of his place he was admonishing them you have departed from the place where I put you in the last day we need to know is this there is a lot of departing from the truth a lot of departing from the real world today we have what they call motivational speakers instead of people who preach the word in, in, in I think that is 2nd Timothy 4 verse 2 Paul was advancing Timothy who was supposed to be a pastor and a bishop over the church of Ephesus which was the largest church in those days he said preach the word he didn't say encourage the people he said preach the word then he said rebuke reprove exhort with unlong suffering and doctrine verse 3 he said for the time is coming when they shall no longer endure sound doctrines they will turn away their ears from the truth and they, they will heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears they will turn away their ears from the truth and they will turn to fables there is a departing of truth there is a real departing of the miraculous there is a real departing of the supernatural in the church there is a departing they fake it they make it up they adjust it they redefine it they explain it but you see there has been a real departing the gold has been taken away from the temple and what we have in this place is something that looks like smells like appear like but it's not the real thing there is a lot of form but there is no reality the bible tells there are some people who have a form of godliness but deny the true power there are people who have a form of achievement a form of progress a form of ministerial excellence but the real thing is no longer there it's like a balloon it's empty inside it's beautiful outside but there's a whole lot of emptiness within so minister check your alignment because the days in which we are the days of departing i mean departing is simply human nature human nature is like this and christ described it in john chapter 2 he said in the beginning human nature is to do what is right then after a while he is now to begin to do what is wrong you know he said that at the marriage in Cana of galilee when when the wine when the wine came when the wine was so plentiful and the governor of the feast had fed on that he they test he tested the wine that christ had turned from water to wine he said ah he said you people have succeeded in keeping the good wine and wine he said because the nature of man as it were is to do good in the beginning and then after to bring us something evil god wants you and i to stop and quit departing to hold our ground to continue as it were in the things that we have learned ladies and gentlemen remember minister check your alignment check your disposition towards truth 
check your commitment to reality check your commitment to love to faith to giving Take your commitment to biblical righteousness. Take your commitment to biblical purity and power. Take your commitment to the Holy Ghost. Because these are very important. In the Bible, there were ministers, young ministers that departed. Let me give you a good example. The young master was called John Mark. In Acts 13, 13, the Bible said, and John Mark departed. John Mark departed. John Mark departed. It was supposed to be a ministerial tour, but when he got to a place that things were tough and rough, he became homesick. And probably thought, look, do I have to go to all this extent? He departed and went back. Barnabas was another minister that departed from Apostle Paul because of a little disagreement. It is impossible for us not to disagree in ministry. It is impossible. A day will never come when everybody in the same department will agree on the same thing to do at the same time, the same how. There is going to be contention. But contention is not enough reason for us to, to depart from one another. You see, because you see here, Barnabas departed in Acts 15 39. We are told that Barnabas departed. He, he, he took one person and he left. He broke. He left it. He abandoned it. He said, No more. But you see, Barnabas did not know that that thing he departed from, that person he departed from, that place he departed from, and that commitment he departed from was crucial to his destiny. Because immediately he did that, his name disappeared from the Bible. Immediately he did that, his name disappeared. Another young man by the name of Demas. Demas believed that every place was God's place. Every place. You know, people like us at times, we believe that I can do what I'm doing in every place. If they don't allow me to do it, yeah, I go down the road, I do it. Or I go to that ministry, I do it. I go to that town and do it. I go to that nation and do it. The, Paul was speaking concerning Demas. This same Demas, he had spoken loftily concerning him in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. He said, Demas is with me. Look, the beloved physician greets you. But later when he was speaking about this same Demas, Demas had departed. He had no good testimony anymore about Demas. Look at what he said in 2 Timothy 4.10. He said, Demas have forsaken me. Have loved this present world and have departed to Thessalonia. Let me tell you what happened. Because, you see, a student of history, at times when you see a statement like that, you do a little bit of research. What happened was that Demas felt that he had been with Apostle Paul for a while and that there was a reason for them to diversify, a reason for them to have locations in other places. So he admonished Apostle Paul that, look, why don't you allow me to, to go and start here, to go and do this? And Apostle Paul says, no, your lot for this season is to be here. But Demas said, no, ambition, ambition pushed Demas, and he decided to go to Thessalonia to set up. And when he did, his name disappeared. Now, he didn't know that there is a relation between a thing, a place, a person, and a commitment, as it were, to destiny. He didn't understand that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's important for us to note this phrase that there are certain things, persons, places, commitments you have made that are crucial to your destiny, which if departed from, will be most expensive. Let me move on by saying this. Something you need to know is that there is nothing in great stats if we do not continue. There is always the temptation to depart, but instead of departing, God wants us to continue. Now let me share this with you, continuing. The solution to a departing spirit is a continuing, is a continuing commitment. 
We need to come to the point where we are people who don't start but continue. Where whatever thing, whatever place, whatever person, whatever commitment you have made, you continue. What does it mean to continue? To continue means to last. We must have a spirit that lasts. To continue means to endure. To continue means to go on in a specified action or condition. To continue means to extend. It means to stay. It means to go on again after an interruption. It means to go on with. It means to cause to remain. The solution to a spirit of always departing is a spirit to continue. A spirit to continue. If for any reason you have found me in this town today, 30 years or 31 years after I came here, it was not because I came alone, but I continued. If you have found me in the ministry still preaching and teaching in this city, and still being able to do what I do, it is not because I started, it was because I continued. Despite, in spite, regardless of the difficulty, the challenges, what people said, some people who felt they loved me more than I loved myself, who felt they had more interest and more stake in my life more than I had in my life. The secret is continuing. If you see marriages that are 30 years old, 20 years old, 15 years old, 10 years old, it's not because the two people inside are the best of human beings, but because they made up their mind to do what? Continue. Any relationship in your life today, the father you grew up under was not the best of human beings. Some of you grew up under fathers that were so rascally that you can't even call him your father. Some of you grew under mothers who never cared whether you eat or dress. But you are still together today because you did what? Continued. Don't let me, don't, don't tell me that you are not tempted or you are not being tempted. To depart. To throw in the towel and say, hey, this man, oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> this woman, oh, I'm leaving. This father, I'm going. It's not that there will not be such such demands such feelings such challenges for for you to say well i'm going to leave this department but you have continued in that department not because you joined the department but because you see destiny linked to that department you see job being crucially linked to what you are doing now what you are doing now may not look like what you are going to do in the days ahead but it is the gateway into the place where you are going it is it is the gateway to the future it is where your future begins it begins now and so when you when you look at what you are doing now with the eyes of neglect or or with the, or you despise it you are not just despising what is now you are also despising what shall be because throwing away this is simply being throwing away everything that is linked with it because there are some people who want to throw away their cake and still find it the bible did not say when you throw your cake away you find it he said, cast your bread upon the waters. Put it in a place where you can find it. Invest your effort and the best of what you have in a place where it can pay you in the future when you begin to see it. So everybody had had to continue. In the word of God, you see the word continue emphasized. The word, I want you to go home and do a study on the word continue. Continually. Continuance. Continuing. Continuous. And you will see that the word continue does not just mean 
To keep at something, it means to get stronger as you keep at it. A marriage gets stronger with every quarrel that is settled. A relationship gets better with every contention and disagreement that is settled. When a bone breaks at a particular point and heals, that point becomes more solid than other points. Now, why is that so? Now, that is the way God wants. So, the continuing is the issue. Not the starting. There is always the temptation to depart. If you want to fast, there is a temptation to break it. If you are in a courtship, there is a temptation at one time or the other. Due to one unrealized expectation or another. Due to one thing you are looking for and hoping you are going to see. which did not materialize to stop it. But you see, when such feelings come to you and such things uh, barrage your mind, that is where you need to lay hold on the grace of God to continue. The Bible said in First Chronicles 16, 11, He said, Seek ye the Lord and His strength. He said, Seek ye His face. How? Continually. That is how to get access to His strength. Continually. Psalm 34, verse 1. Psalm 71, verse 6. Hebrews 13 15. He said, I said, he said, I will bless the Lord. I told him his praise shall continually be in my mouth. We need to praise him continually. In season, a lot of season. First Thessalonians 5 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Continuing is the will of God. Sawala 19, verse 44. He said, I will keep thy law continually forever and ever. He was making a commitment to be a doer of the word. He said, I'll do it forever and ever. Whether it's good or whether it's difficult, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pay my tithes whether I'm rich or poor. Whether I have enough to eat or do not have enough to put clothes on my back, I'm going to continue. Because there's always a tendency to pack. There's always a tendency, a temptation. I remember in those days when I used to be tempted not to pay my tithe. When I hold money like this, my palm will be sweating. Because my needs were so great. But God taught me a principle in those times. He says, he says, if only you can continue, you will go from disciplining yourself to pay your tithe to delighting yourself to pay it. So in those days I preach a message from discipline to delight. When you begin, it will be discipline. Discipline to read the Bible. Discipline to pray. Discipline to give. Discipline to fast. You have to try all you can to stay. But there comes a time when after you've disciplined yourself to do it, that you begin to enjoy the doing of it. Psalm 1 verse 2. He said, he, he, he said the man who delights in the law of the Lord, and the law of the Lord does he meditate day and night. Now before you get to the level of delighting yourself in the law, and the law of the Lord meditating day and night, you must first of all meditate in the day first. Before you see, when you are just doing something day and night, it was discipline that carried you to the point of delight. You're not going to enjoy the very first day. You could enjoy the very first day to a level, but by the time you do it the second day, you feel that look, this thing is too much, this thing is too difficult. I mean, if for example, when it does fasting, I mean, when, when, when it has to do with fasting, for example, and your body is racking you and your mouth is dry, and your headache is knocking your head. You just feel like, look, do I have to go through all this? Like one brother asked me, so yes, I said, do I have to fast to be a good Christian? Excuse me, do I have to fast to be a good Christian? Say, can I be? Can I not be a good Christian without fasting? I said, you can be, 
But being fasting makes you a better Christian. I said, you want to be a better Christian or a good Christian? He said, I want to be a better Christian. I said, you now. You can be a good Christian without fasting. Be a good Christian without paying your tithes and giving good offerings to God. But if you want to get better and you want to get better things, you are going to have to go the extra mile. You cannot reap what you've not sown. You cannot sow to the flesh and reap on the spirit. You are going to sow according to your expectation. It is your need that determines your seed. And so, there are certain things, people, commitments, and places you cannot depart from if you are interested in destiny. I mean, if you are seriously committed, interested in destiny, you cannot just say, I don't want to have anything to do with these people again. I don't want to see this man anymore. I don't, I don't want to fast anymore. I don't want to pay my tax anymore. You are, there is going to be temptation. It comes to everybody. Don't ever think because it comes to you, you are the only person it comes to. It surely does come to everybody. And everybody who had ever been able to inherit things must tell you, if they are going to be sincere, that they had overcome some things. Revelation 21 verse 7. He said to him that overcome it. If you read from 21 verse 5. He said, Behold, I make all things new. Verse 6. He said, Behold, it is done. Verse 7. He said, To him that overcome it, will I grant to inherit all things. In verse 5, he said, I want to make everything new for you. In verse 6, he said, As far as I'm concerned, it's done. But in verse 7, he said, You are going to have to overcome some things before you can inherit it. There is going to have to be some sweat before sweet. You are going to have to pay a price before you acquire a product. You can't just walk into a place where they sell cars and prostrate and walk out with a car and a key in your hand. Even if you prostrate and you walked out, you paid the price by prostrating. So there's going to have to be a giving if there's going to be a receiving. There is something like receiving without having given. So it's important for us to know this. Continuing is a very, very important concept. I want us to read a particular scripture that will show you the relationship between continuing. I want to continuing and receiving from God. Open your Bible to two openings, Luke 24 and Acts chapter 2. Luke 24 and Acts chapter 2. When the Lord showed this to me, as I waited on him, it was such a blessing. Now I read from verse 49. Here, Acts chapter 2, verse 49. This was Christ telling the apostles what to do. And you see the apostles responding with the proper spirit and reaping unusual results. Verse 49, he said, And behold, I send, that is Luke 24, verse 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as unto Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we are, look at that statement, and we are continually, we are in the temple. Many people want to visit the church only once a day or once a week. They want to visit the church twice a week. The Bible said the early church, he said, and we are continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Now look at the word amen. It says this the word amen says simply means so, let it be so. Now quickly move on with that at the back of your mind to Acts 2. The Bible said we are in the temple. Let's now go ahead and look at them in the temple. What were they doing? I want you to see the key to the early church principles that brought the kind of results they experienced. In Acts chapter 2, I read from verse 42. He said, and they continued. You see that? You see that word continue? Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and in breaking of bread. And they continued daily with one accord. 
in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. This is their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Look at that. Praising God. That is the, the last thing you read about in verse 40, verse 53 of Acts, I mean, of Luke 24. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily. It is continuity that produces result. John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said unto those Jews that believe in him, If you continue in my words, then are you my disciples indeed. The difference between disciple and mere convert is continuing. Continuing. If you continue in my word, in my word. Acts 14.22 says, and Colossians 1.23, he said, continue in the faith. 1 Timothy 2.15 says, one of the things that will save a woman who goes to the hospital to have a baby is to continue in the faith. It is good to start in the faith, but you are a Christian today because you made up your mind to continue. It was not because you did not have an opportunity to backslide. In fact, the devil will offer you a daily opportunity to backslide. So your commitment to continue must be a daily commitment. So is it in ministry. Your commitment must be daily. It must not be something that easily or quietly you can say, well, this thing is too hard. This thing is too difficult. This thing has taken so long. This thing has taken, this thing is rough. I'm, I'm not going to continue. I'm going to depart. Now, if you make up your mind never to continue, you never get anything done. Anything people have been able to do well because they made up their mind, they chose, as it were, to continue. To stay with, not to depart. Departing is the opposite of continuing, continuing is the opposite of departing. For every opportunity you have to depart, make up your mind, I will not depart, I will not come back. Paul said, look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 and 39. He says, now that God shall live by faith, he said, if any man come back, God said, my soul shall have no pleasure. God said, I, had, I'm not, I don't enjoy the coming of people who abandon where they are supposed to continue. He said, if any man come back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And Paul boasted in verse 39, he said, we are not of them that turn back to perdition. When you turn back, there's only one place you go, not to the place of destiny, somewhere else. Everyone in the wilderness who turned back, who tempted God, who limited the Holy One of Israel, did not attend to destiny. They did not end up where God intended for them to end up. They ended up in places different completely from where they would have ended up. It is too much tribulation that you and I will make it to the kingdom of God. We have to continue. Paul, Paul and Peter said, I mean, the heavenly apostle said something that blessed me in Acts chapter 6. Several years ago I read it. In verse 4. He said, we will, we, will, we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Prayer is not something he said because I prayed yesterday, I would not pray today. Or reading the word of God is not something he said, well, I, I read so many verses yesterday, I'm not going to read today. He said, they said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. He said, we will do that. We will just continue. We will not, we will not tire. We will not give in. We will not throw in. We will continue. We will be consistent. We will stay with it. We will not abandon it. Every temptation will be there for me to depart. And if you depart, it's not because there is no grace for you to continue. It's because you chose not to continue. When you make up your mind to move ahead, God will help you so much. When you make up your mind to depart, the devil will help you a lot. It depends on what where what source of help you need. They get themselves continually. The word Bible will say something. He said if you see someone who departs, it's an indication of lack of not belonging to what they claim they belong to. If you read this in first John chapter 2, verse 19, 
He said they departed from us. That they may be made manifest that they were not of us. Because if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. If someone has a real call, no matter how difficult, terrible, challenging, impossible it could be, they continue. Because you always see the realization of your potential on the other side of your call and not on any side towards the back. When Jesus asked the apostles, will you also go back in John 6, 66, they said, to whom shall we go? He said, we are not going anywhere, we are following you. What we made of our mind to be, what we made of our mind to do, is what we are still going to do. The word of God has a lot to say about continuing. I wanted to do that study. And to see the value of continuing. The Bible said, for example, in James 1.25, He said, Whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer. Continue there, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the works. That man shall be blessed in all his deed. Ladies and gentlemen, departing is always a tempt, tempting offer. Either due to satanic inducement, pressure from other people, personal ambition, difficult circumstances. Departing is always a tempting offer. But at the same time, I want you to know that the cure for departing is a commitment to the things, the people, the place, and the commitment you make to God. Job said in Job 1 verse 1, I have made a covenant with my eyes, I will not think upon a woman. Jaffai made a vow before God, he made a vow before God, and he did not depart from it. It's always there for someone to say, I will forget the call. I will choose another place to locate myself. I will choose something else to do. I will try and become another person. And the challenge I'm going to give you today is this. I want every one of us today to, to know this that we need to continue. But before you continue, minister, check your alignment. Check your alignment with what? I'm going to share that with you in a few minutes. Now, what, is, what does it mean to align? Align. Alignment. What does it mean to align? To align means to bring into a straight line. To align means to bring components or parts into adjustment. To align means to bring into agreement. It means to line up. It means to straighten. It means to regulate. It means to arrange. For those of you who are used to mechanical things, alignment should not be a concept you're not familiar with. To align means to bring it to a straight line, to regulate, to arrange, to bring adjustment to, to bring it to agreement with. And that is why I say, let us search, let us examine our ways, and let us let us search, let us search, let us try our ways, and let us return. Returning simply means bring back into place, align. That is why the scripture says, I thought on my ways and looked at my ways. And I turned, I aligned, I brought things back into place. 
And today I'm going to give you a couple of places you need to align yourself. Let me give you four or five important benefits of alignment. Either in a car or anything you are trying to align. Either a wall or some equipment. The first thing is that anything that is aligned always looks beautiful. When you align something that is straight, it's beautiful. Since we've been building ICC, I've gone there and I've seen how to align. You align a curb. You you align you align the arrangement of of some of some ebonite sheet. You align it. Things that are aligned are always beautiful. When something is aligned, when someone sits, is for example various shapes and sizes and height and depth and you take it to the dentist and they put those things in your mouth like metal they align the teeth you discover that the teeth is now sharp looking good looking there is a beauty about alignment when someone's ministry is properly aligned you see beauty in it so the first benefit of alignment is beauty i don't know whether you've seen a car before where the front is like this and the back is like this and it is going have you ever seen that now that's an example of a car that does not have good alignment. Something's wrong with the chassis. <laughs> so alignment brings beauty. The second thing about alignment is that alignment makes whatever is aligned to function properly. A car that is going like this cannot run at the speed that it has potential for. So you need to check your alignment so that your vehicle or whatever you are using can function properly. There's a time we had a generator here. The, the, the electrical part was not properly aligned with the meta mechanical part. And so the generator, generator was not giving us the capacity it was capable of giving us. This was because what was between the electrical part and the mechanical part was not in the best shape. It was not the right one. And so the generator did not function properly. So alignment is not just beautiful, it also helps things to function properly. There is nothing wrong with this one. Probably something's wrong with them there, but nothing's wrong with this one. Alignment. You see, the point is this. It, it brings not just beauty, but when something is properly aligned, it functions properly. When you align something, it, it functions well. The car moves at the speed it's supposed to move. The equipment works at the ability level it's supposed to work at. The third benefit of alignment, the value of alignment, is that alignment, as much as possible, reduces the possibility of accident. When a car is moving like this, when you are coming, it is the head you are relating, which don't know that the backside is along the way. It reduces the possibility of accident. When a generator is not working properly, the possibility of an accident is common. Number four, another benefit, another value of alignment is that alignment, align things or alignment helps to make wear and tear to be even and reduces wear and tear to the minimum level. Ministry has its own wear and tear on the body. But when things are properly aligned, everything is in its place, you are in your place, and everything is put in its place, 
where and here is reduced to the minimum and where and here is even. Those of you who ride cars, you understand that when the, the tires are not properly aligned, the inner part goes faster than the outer part. And at times, that's the way it is. At times, you see some people in medicine, their inner part is wearing away than the outer part. As they are busy in ministry, their spiritual life is collapsing. And for some other people, at times when things are not really aligned, it is the outer part that begins to collapse. While the inner part is growing and getting better and stronger, the outer part collapses. But you see, when things are aligned and everything is in its place and according to the measure it's supposed to be in your ministry, you will discover that there will be an even balance. As you concentrate on the natural, you also do what you don't need to do on the spiritual. Burnout is something you can suffer from when there is no proper alignment. Burnout or worn out. Burnout is a spiritual thing, being worn out is a physical thing. Burnout is spiritual, spiritual burnout. Then there is physically, you are worn out. That's the physical thing. And it is just because things are not properly aligned. And the fourth value, or the fifth now, the fifth value of alignment in ministry, that's why I said minister, check your alignment, is that when things are aligned, it facilitates continuity. When something is straight, what is here can get to there. It facilitates continuity. It facilitates continuity. This generation can pass it to that generation because that generation is aligned to this generation. That generation does not see themselves in a different class, neglecting the generation that is before them. It facilitates continuity. So in the next few minutes, I want to share with you areas of alignment you need to check. Areas of alignment you need to check. Minister, check your alignment. I want to share with you areas of alignment you need to check. As a young minister that is growing up, as someone who is interested in destiny and future, what areas do I need to check my alignment? Where do I need alignment? Where do I need to bring myself into adjustment? What area do I need to bring myself into agreement? What area do I need to correct myself in? Check your alignment. I will give you quickly. Check your alignment with the call and vision God has given you, ask yourself one question. To what extent, ask yourself one question. To what extent and in what way am I properly aligned to the call God has given me? Am I where I'm supposed to be? I, am I doing it as I'm supposed to do it? Am I working with the people I'm supposed to work with? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Am I doing it how I'm supposed to do it? You need to check that alignment. If God has called you to something, to what extent are you in that area? To what extent are you developing your talent, your resources, and your giftings in that area? God will call you to be a teacher, but you may be doing something different, completely, absolutely out of way to becoming a teacher. To what extent am I aligned to that? Several years ago, I was in a particular place, and God told me, he said, if you continue your ministry this way, you will lose your ability to function the way I suppose you function. He said, you enjoy doing it this way, don't you? I said, yes. 
He said, but you see, that is not what I called you to do. The fact that you enjoy something is not an indication of the proper thing. That, I mean, if you, don't, if you have not had the call of God, it's different. If you have not had the call of God, whatever you enjoy doing, do it. But once you have had the call of God, it's a specialization. It's a specific instruction for you to enjoy doing something else. And therefore, stay there for you to involve yourself in something that will not be rewarded. So check your alignment. Am I, am I in any way along my call? Am I feeling comfortable in a place that is out of my place? Check your alignment with your call, with vision. Your call and the vision God has given you. To what extent am I going to be able to attain to the vision God has given me and the call he has given me in this place that I am? Check your alignment. One thing about me is I always ask myself, this thing I'm doing, will it take me to where I'm going? This place where I'm I, where I am, is it the proper place for me now? In view of the fact that that is where I'm going. It's like somebody traveling on the way to Karuna. You need to check your alignment if you are going to Kalara and you're in Makwa and your vehicle is facing the north. You need to ask yourself, this road I'm following Makwa, will it take me to Kalabar? Because there are some vehicles that are traveling destiny. Their destiny is Calabar, but they are on the way. They are close to. They are in good way. And that's why you need to check your mind. From time to time, do not think it is not a place for you to ask yourself and ask the Lord Is this the place I'm supposed to be? Is this what I'm supposed to do? Are these the people I'm supposed to be working with? All my life, that is what I have done. We need to redeem the time for the days are evil. The person going to Mokwak may eventually get to Kalaba. When he gets to Kaduna, he may take another vehicle that is going to Kalaba. But the point is, a straight line is, this, is the shortest distance between two points. You don't have to get to Kalaba. You don't have to get to Kaduna to get to Kalaba. Do you have to? But you see, some of us choose it. Because we are just Israelites, children of Israel by nature. A journey of 21 days will take them 40 years and they think nothing is wrong. That's why we need to. We, that's why we need the restoration of the years with the locals as eating. My immediate junior sister, we used to call her the most educated member of the family. How? Instead of going to secondary school in primary six, she went to primary seven. She finished secondary school five years, then went to teacher training, then from teaching to NC, and eventually went to university. About the university for a bachelor's degree and then did master's degree and I told her was she supposed to go to teacher training? if you finish that you want to go to NC before you go to university but you see she said lead me whichever one school whichever one school and she said she was in a lot of schools she was in quite a number of schools you know so what I'm saying is this check it check your alignment with your call this way I'm preaching is it in line Bring it into agreement. I just it. Am I going to get to where I'm going if I continue like this? Check. Check your alignment to the call, your alignment to the vision. In what way is this my positional, what I'm doing now, where I'm doing it, helping to further the attainment of my destiny? Will I get there like this? Will I get there on time like this? Will I get to the place where I set out for like this? Will I attend to it like this? God does not have to use accidental arrangement to get you to the place where you are going. Joseph had an accidental arrangement by God. Joseph knew he was going somewhere, but he did not know where he was going. 
But those were the days of the uh, those were the days of uh, the Old Testament. We are now under a better covenant based on better promises. Number two, I want you to check. Check your alignment with your leader. Am I aligned with my leader? The person who is leading me, the person who I'm following, the person under whom I'm training, to what extent am I aligned with him? As face answer to face in water. So does a man's heart answer to, to what extent do I have the body of my leader? To what extent do I respect my leader? To what extent do I honor my leader? To what extent do I have the spirit of my leader? You can never have the unction of your leader on you without having the spirit of your leader. Romans 8, 9, whosoever does not have the spirit of Christ is not of his. We are going to have to have the spirit of Christ. We need to check your alignment. Well, this is the person God has sent me to. In what way is my relationship with him sweet? This is the person God has put me under. I'm supposed to tap into his anointing. I'm supposed to walk in the unction that God has put upon him. I'm supposed to be his Elisha. I'm supposed to be his Joshua. I'm supposed to be his Timothy. But am I aligned with him? Do I see the way he sees? Jesus said, Whosoever serve me where I am, there will my servant be. Christ was always aligned with his father. In John 8, 29, my father who sent me is always with me, and I've not left me alone because I do always those things that are well pleasing in his sight. Jesus said in John 8, 12, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness at all, he shall have the light of life. Check your alignment, minister. Check your alignment with your leader. Do I, do, do I see eye to eye with my leader? Let me say this to you. You are not just in a place. God does not just send you to be in a place for nothing. So check your alignment. Am I connected with this man in the spirit? Is there a link with hearts in the spirit? Do I have his body? Do I help him achieve his goal? Or am I one of those working against him? Jesus said, whosoever does not gather with me is it. Check your alignment with your leader. You are a pastor under someone else. To what extent is the goal and the vision of that person God has put you under? Your commitment, your food and your drink. To what extent do you pursue with passion? To what extent do you see what he's trying to achieve as something you should try to work to make sure he achieves it and attain it? Joseph could never have become what God made him to be if he did not have the burden, first of all, to have Pharaoh to what Pharaoh's dreams were. Am I aligned with my leader? There are some people who are under a leader. When the leader did instructions, immediately he leaves. They say, ah, who can do it the way he said it? Nobody. The man is always asking us to do things in a way we cannot do it. Now, in that way, you are not aligned with your leader. Now, never allow, never expect the unction of that person to work for you because it will not. Because you are not aligned with him. You are not with him. You have a form of being with him, but you are not there. Could you have thought that an Elisha would say something different to what an Elijah said? Will Joshua have gone behind Moses to nullify the things that Moses commanded to be done? Will, will, will Timothy have gone behind and said, Don't mind Paul. He's always asking us to do difficult things. Would he have done that? You see, I understand this and I said this in this ministry. Those ministers who are aligned to the head always have the unction of the head upon them. 
Their churches grow. They, are, they have finances. They, they don't have problems because they are lying. One young man told me this. Said, I know what the Bible says, sir. He said, but if I hear it from your mouth, I believe it more than when I read it myself. Now, why is he saying that? He said, look, I can relate to you saying it. Because you will have put it to test and it's working. But do you know there are other people who just turn whatever they are doing into experimental parlors? We tell them to do this, but no, they are not alive. They will go behind and say all manner of things contrary to what the head has directed. Whether it's in this church or any other ministry, it will not work. It doesn't work. Jesus was alive with his father. John 5 17. My father walked in his all and I walk. I must want to walk on him that said the well in his day. For the night cometh when no man can walk. What I see my father doing, that's what I do. What I see my father saying, that's what I say. What I see my father preach, that's what I preach. Check your alignment. Check your alignment. No one can be greater than his master if his initial desire is not to be like his master. I know some people that God spoke and said, Hey, look at that man. Look at him. Look at him closely. Look at him. And as God has said, Look at him, you have said, Look, I too I have a call of God. You have a call of God, but you need to begin somewhere. And if you think you have it yet, and you try to say, let me do it on my own. That is when you discover, like Samson discovered, that the glory of God has departed. Number three, check your alignment, minister. Another area, check your alignment with the word of God. To what extent that the word of God guide my thoughts. Check your alignment. What is the level of my respect for God's word? To what extent does the word of God guide my choice? To what extent does the word of God guide my decisions? Do you accept what the word of God says as final? No matter what human beings say, no matter what you feel, check your alignment with the word. Romans 3, 4. Let God be true. And let every other man be a liar. Psalm 119 verse 128 he said I have extended your word concerning everything to be right therefore I have kept myself a very false way check your alignment with the word it's not just enough to say this is what I believe look your belief is inconsequential if your belief is not the word of God you could believe it but the fact that you believe that is what is right does not make it right it doesn't make it, it will never make it right. Check your alignment. To what extent do you respect the word? To what extent do you respect what the word of God has to say? Psalm 119 verse 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Minister, check your alignment. Check your alignment. Use the word of God to gauge. If you said what I did is right, then they are asking, what does the word of God say about what you did? The Bible says, for example, in John 15, 9, he said, Continue ye in my love. The word of God says, By thee shall all men know you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now, check what you did, or what you are doing, or what you are saying. Check it with the word. Use the word of God to align it. You see, whenever we go to the place where they align very close, I'm, I, I, 
I'm, I'm very sure of vehicular alignment and I'm also sure of when they align generators. I remember there was one time we had a generator and it was not probably aligned and we brought it here. We sparked the fire and light did not come on. It was not probably aligned. So we took it back. And the man said to us, who did this alignment? He was asking the, 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 the children. He said, who did this? And he said, I'm the one who said, he said, what, what, what instrument did you use? He said, I just used my eyes. He said, no, no, no. He said, there are equipment by which you can use to know whether it's properly aligned or not. Before you can know something is aligned, the word of God is a standard book for action. If I said we are behaving is right, check it by the word. I have esteemed all things concerning your word to be right, and that has kept me from every false way. Shawala 19, verse 1 3. Order my steps in your word, and let no iniquity have dominion. Psalm 37, verse 3. The steps of a good man are ordered by the word. When you say what you are doing is right, then you must be able to prove this by the word. If the word of God says so, then it's so. But that does not mean that you go into the word of God and bring out something that is strange and use that to approve your idiocy. That's all we are saying. Align, align, check your alignment with the word. To what extent am I aligned? To what extent am I aligned with the word? Look at the word of God and say, to what extent do I find validity? and the ability for my action from what the Bible says. What this word of God says, does it give me a backing? To what extent does the word of God back me in my action towards my neighbor? To what extent does the word of God back me in my action towards my spouse? To what extent does my word, the word of God give me back it in my action in prayer? I, went, I remember some years ago someone was praying in a particular way and I said to him, that is not the way you should pray. He said, no, that's the way I pray. He said, that's the way I pray. So that's the way I said, listen to me. Now, if you say that's the way you pray, on what authority do you think that way of prayer is right? On whose authority? Is Jesus praying like that? Does the word of God say we can pray like that? Check your alignment. It's not just enough to say, ah, that's where I like to dress, oh, that's where I like to look, oh, that's where I like to behave. Now, you check what you are saying in line with the world. Check your alignment, minister. If you disregard authority and you dishonor who are ahead in the way of righteousness, check your alignment. To what extent does the word of God give you validity to speak evil of the leaders of your people? To what extent? To what extent does God's word tell you you can take your pastor or senior pastor and make him a subject of discussion? To what extent? What can you use as a backing? Is it the example of Moses? Who Miriam and Aaron spoke about and you saw what happened? To what extent does the word of God say you can judge another man's servant when you have not had an opportunity to hear what he has to say? Who are thou that judges another man's servant? So his master is telling the father that God is able to make his man. To what extent? You see, align, your, align yourself with the word. The word of God is the gauge, the rule. It is the word of God that you can use in bringing yourself into shape as a man of God. At times I've said some things about some people after I say it. I just, a word will just shoot into my heart. And I say, Father, I take that back. I'm sorry, in Jesus' name. Now, what is the word of God doing? He's bringing me into agreement. He says, hey, hey, you shouldn't speak like that. Come, come back into agreement. Come back into agreement. Come back into agreement with my word. 
You see, in this world of Christianity today, we have allowed people who are rascally in the church to continue with their rascally behavior. They say, just forgive. I say, hey, I was telling somebody something recently. The action of that person was to say the least unbiblical. It was to say the least unspiritual. It was to say the least not even good among human beings. And someone said to me, he said, ah. he said, he said, are you bothered about that? I said, I'm bothered. He said, why? I said, because God is bothered with wicked conducts. God is angry with the wicked. Even God punishes the wicked. He knows how to reserve the wicked to the day of punishment. He knows how to deal, how to protect the righteous from punishment. But I said, even God, God, his word says he's not happy with wicked ways. He's not happy with this. There are part of the six things that God hates. You look at it, Bola 616, and see whether God condones something. Because some people think God just condones everything because it's love. In fact, in love, he punishes. He kills some people in the Bible because his mercy enduring forever. Paul had to deliver some people to Satan for the destruction of their flesh that their spirits may be saved. If some people are not punished for their actions, they will never repent. And if they don't repent, the penalty of their action will fall on them and they'll go to hell. So repentance is necessary. So any harsh treatment that will bring them to repentance is worth it. That's biblical. That's biblical. God is not interested that the wicked should, should, should perish. But the Bible says your sins and your iniquity will separate good things from you. Because some people, some people just say how all of us will not worry. It's like God is going to cancel anything anybody does. He does not. Even to the third and the fourth generation of them that hate him. So, you see, some people don't have a correct understanding of who God is. I told that woman, I said, you don't know your Bible. I said, when you know your Bible, you know that there are things that God is angry with. And when God is angry with it, and the Spirit of God dwells in you, why would you not be angry with it? It's not just, it's irresponsible for you not to be angry with what God is angry with. If you are not angry with what God is angry you don't have the Spirit of your Father. Why did Christ beat up people in the church? Why did he do it? He will have said, oh, my God, what did he do? He brought out a cane. He killed them. The Bible said his eyes were like shut. Actually, the literal Bible tells us, he said, anger was in his eyes. And that's why when you see in Revelations, he had the head. His head was white as wool, not because of age. But when you stand as a judge, you have this white thing they cover their head with. The Bible said his eyes were like flames of fire. That does not mean that he's very happy. He's a, that is the God of judgment. That is how he appears. But when people don't know God, check your alignment. Minister, check your alignment with the word. Don't just say, hey, it's no problem. No, the word of God says it's a problem. Quickly, because of time, check your alignment. Again, let me say this to you. Check your alignment with his ways. The way God does his things Check it. Is it the ways of man? Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. God told Israel in Haggai 1.5, he said, consider your ways. Haggai 1.7, consider your ways. 
Jeremiah 7.3, Jeremiah 7.5, he said, amend your ways. The ways of God are not the ways of man. So check your alignment with the ways. When they say ways, what do we mean? Ways simply means your method, your style, your chosen or desired course of action. Many, many times our ways are not his ways. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10 verse 29, he says the way of the Lord is strength to the upright. We need to amend our ways. Amend. Check, check your alignment with his ways. If God were to do it, will he do it that way? If God were a member of a church and he wants to leave, how does he leave? Does he insult the pastor? Does he carry half of the members and go? Does he do that? Is God a thief? Does he steal sheep? The spirit of God, is it a spirit of theft? A pastor who steals sheep when he leaves the church should be punished in the same way Exodus 22 verse 1 says a sheep stealer in the natural is punished. He says stone him to death. Stealing sheep in the natural and spiritual is the same. A sheep is a sheep whether natural or spiritual. Integrity. What do we mean when we say Proverbs 25 21? Let integrity and uprightness preserve me. Let me say this to you. There are some ways I can use to get money. But you see, I always say to myself, you can never use the devil's way to get the work of God done. James 1 20. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of Christ. There are some people in this church where we say, I receive for a sister, and come and tell the minister, you have received a sister. You will have concluded the thing behind me. You and the sister will have agreed. You will have settled it. You will have chased that. You will have given us. Then you come to and say, Baba, I want to see that. Now, that is not God's way. You know that way? That's the way of the devil. That's not God's way. Will God do it like that? Why, for God's sake, can't we follow Bible's way. Why for God's sake can we use God's style? Show me your ways. Psalm 25 verse 4. Psalm 86 verse 11. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and I will walk in the truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Look, I go from church to church, from ministry to ministry. There is no church I have ever gone, or no ministry I have ever gone, that after I left the place, I was busy communicating with members of the church behind the pastor. Never. Never. What will I do with that? But there are some other ministers. When they visit the church and they see how the people respond to their ministry, two, three weeks down the line, they set up their own church. Quote, their own church. In the same city, poaching from the church where they were gracious enough to invite them to set up a work who very soon, e will be written on it. I know a pastor who did that in one of the cities in America. He visited the church about five, six times. He had become very popular in that church. He had known most of the members by name. The rich people, the poor people, the people who are. Who and the next thing he did was that when it was time for him to quote, start, he told some people, said, Well, I have a button. I have a call. When I came to your church, the Lord talked to me. Now, excuse me, that's not God. It will God do that. If you want to start, there are still unbelievers. Why don't you start in a way that why don't you start in a way that even if the church becomes big in future, there'll be nobody who will say 
We were the people that make Abraham rich. Why do you want someone to make your glory in God vain? Because there are some things you are doing underneath. You have finished your assignment with the sister. And you want to make me a rubber stamp. I have since woke up, I have since realized that many of you are just trying to use me as a water of them. And that is why most courtships that have developed at times like that always crumble, either in courtship or in marriage. I was telling my friend, I was telling Fred Mommy yesterday, I said, listen to this. I said, you know the reason why some Christian sisters who are married to Christian brothers don't trust the Christian brothers in marriage? Do you know the reason? She said, what is the reason? I said, listen to me and hear me clearly today. If you see a Christian sister who after he has married a Christian brother begins to look at his wallet, check his pocket, check his phone, check his house, check underneath his dress, check his pant, check his book, to see a telephone number, to see a GSM text, check his text. You know the reason why they do that? Because before they got married, they were doing something behind which their leader did not know and they agreed not to make him know it. And so, even after they get married now, the sister is still afraid. This man is doing something behind my back. She has no reason to trust you. Why should she trust you when both of you have lived in distrust before you got married? Because she will feel, oh, the same way he was deceiving the pastor. When we are together, it is the same way he's deceiving me. He wrote a powerful pastor, T.T.T. Loma, a powerful ninja. Check, look at him and say, check your alignment with the ways of God. If God will do it like that, will he do it like that? If God will build a house, will he do it like that? If God will start a ministry, will he do it like that? When Christ started his ministry, did he do it like that? Did he do it like that? Two more, three more. Check your alignment with the call of God. Check your alignment with your leader. Check your alignment with the word. Check your alignment with his ways. Then check your alignment with the demand of ministry. To what extent have you come to accept that suffering goes with the call. Some people think ministry is a flowery bed of ease. They do not know that ministry demands suffering. Philippians 1.29 Unto it is given unto the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but to suffer for his name's sake. The same God who called Apostle Paul is the same God who called him. He said, you will bear my name before kings, before Gentiles, and before the children of Israel, and I will show you how great things you will suffer for my name's sake. Because some people, when they are suffering, they think that they are out of place. They think that somebody is oppressing them. They think that somebody does not like their face. Romans 8.18 says, Knowing this, that the sufferings of these present times are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. There is a suffering, there is a sacrifice that go along in ministry. The Bible says in Hebrews 13.16, But to do good and to, uh, but to do good and to complicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. 
Christ came here sacrificing in his ministry. He left his glory. People don't want to leave anything for ministry. We don't want to leave anything for ministry. Christ was in heaven. He resigned his position as the second in command and came here and became a man. But you don't want to leave anything. The Bible said, Who Christ, who though being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He shed, he decided to shed all his glory, all his beauty, all his name, and came here for ministry. But you, you don't want to lose anything for ministry. When they ask you to make a sacrifice for ministry, it's too uncomfortable. When they ask you to come one and it's too difficult. Someone left kingdom of heaven in all his glory and came here and died like a man for you and me. That's why David said, I will not give God that thing which cost me nothing. Check your alignment. When they ask you to make a little bit of sacrifice, you feel so inconvenient. You feel so uncomfortable. Abraham was willing to make the supreme sacrifice of his son. Let me ask a simple question. If the car you are using now, God says, I want it, can you give it? Can you give it away? If the bed you are supposed to sleep on tonight, God said, I need it, can you give it away? Have you ever come to the point where a stranger visits you and the last meal you have to eat, you give him, and the bed place you have to sleep on, you give it? Why? Because if you do that, you are doing it for Christ and not for yourself as you think. So it's important to check your alignment with the demand of ministry. Ministry has demand. If you take your youth, take your time, take your talent, take your attraction, I mean, take your focus. That's what it's about. Check your alignment. Because since you're not properly aligned, if you don't understand the concept of ministry and all you see is the glitter and the gold and the glory, and you don't see the sweat and the suffering and the sacrifice and the pain, you will never enjoy ministry. Ministry is for those who know that there are two sides to it. There's going to be a price to pay, but there's also a crown to enjoy. He said, Blessed are you when you are tempted, for you are tempted, you shall receive the crown of life, which God has promised to them who love him. There is a crown to every sufferer. Paul said, I'm not going to be offered the top of the now. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He said, now there is reserved for me a crown. It is too much tribulation that we end up with the kingdom of God. Check your alignment with the demands of ministry. Ministry demands that you be a servant. Ministry demands that you be humble. Ministry demands that you submit even to those you are older than in age because they have the spiritual authority on them. It takes a person with a great heart to submit to someone they know in the natural and physical they are superior to. When you see a superior man in the natural submit to someone in the spiritual that in the natural he is higher than but whom you know in the spiritual he is lower than that is someone who understands what ministry is all about. But some people pride will not allow us. Check your alignment with the demand of ministry. Ministry will take your day, will take your night, will take your energy, will take your talent, will take everything. Everything you have. 
But there is nothing ministry takes from you that it does not give you much more than you ever gave or parted with. Minister, check your alignment. When some ministers are going without food, they cry like babies. Every time Christ ministered to hungry people in the Bible, did he eat? The life is more than meat. The body more than raiment. Years ago, I was interested in buying the most expensive shirts and trousers and wearing the best of shoes. But now I don't even have a place to wear them to. I only wear clothes on Sunday. For those of you who come to my house, I wear clothes only on Wednesdays and on Sundays. And when I go to preach, I, don't, I have the clothes but no place to wear them to. I have the suit. I can't wear a suit and sit down in the room and eat a man with it. It's not possible. I remember some years ago I stood in front of my water and I said, Is it not clothes? This is what we are crying. Look at clothes. Oh, very expensive clothes. Suits. I brought out a suit last Sunday and I was telling the young man that would be. I said, The last time I wore this suit was about 10 years ago. I said, I remember the day I bought it. I thought the world was going to come out. I bought it for 750 pounds. I said, I thought the world was going to end that day. When I brought the suit out, it was more like I, I hide it in a section. Other clothes have to stay aside. This is 750 pounds. When I brought it last time, it was wrinkled and twisted. I told the young man, I said, you see that? Here is clothes. But we have to wear it. I can't suit up. I just sit down in this room. Or suit up and go to bed. Can I? <laughs> it's not possible. Check yourself. Check your alignment with the demands of ministry. Ministry will demand your time, your energy, your best. Ministry will take you away from home. Take you away from the things you love to do. Ministry will make some people hate you. John 15. Some of us want to be in the good books of everybody. Let me say this to you. A true man of God is never a man of the people. A true man. Jesus said in John 15:25. He said they hated me without a cause. There are some people when they see me like this, they are unhappy. And there are some people who see you and they're not. So if you want to, everyone to be happy with you, you can never be a man of God. Read Galatians 1.11. He said, if I yet seek to please men, I am not worthy to be a servant of God. Either 1.10 or 1.11. Let me quickly give you this last two. My time is up here. Check your alignment. And this is it. I want to give you this. Check your alignment with the people to whom you have been sent. Check your alignment with the people to whom God has sent you. To what extent am I getting across to the people God has sent me to? Listen to this scripture. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. He said, For as much as the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, took part of the same, so that through death he might destroy him that has the power of death, and deliver them who through all their lives have been subject to bondage. Jesus was always conscious of the people that God sent him to. As a minister, it's very easy, just like people in government, to be far away from the reality of people that God has sent you to. 
Christ identified with us. He became as we were that we may be as he is. He became weak as weak as we are that we may be strong as he is. In Romans 15:1, he said, Those who are strong, instead of pleasing yourself, he said, Make sure you bear the infirmities of the weak. Romans 12, 17. He said, Mind not high things, condescend to men of low estate. I like one scripture Paul, Apostle Paul gave, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, you begin to read from verse 19. He said, I made myself all things to all men, so that by all means I may win some. To the weak, I became weak, that I may win the weak. To the Jews, I became a Jew, that I may win the Jew. To the, those who are without the law, I became without the law, that I may win those who are without the law. He said, this I do. He is free. You are free to do what you want. But check your alignment. Those people that God has sent you to, to what extent are you getting across to them? In what way and to what extent are you ministering to them? Let me say this to you. There will be so many people God sent you to that will not receive you. Christ knew what that meant. But did that stop him? He came onto his own, but his own did not receive him. He came into the world, the world was made by him. But the very people God sent him to save were the people that killed him. But you know that he's forever aligned to them. Even when we are beating him, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. He told those who said he should call fire down from heaven in Luke 9. He said, Elijah may have done that. Elisha may have done that. He said, but I will not do it. He said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are made up of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy waste life, but to save it. He was aligned to the people God has sent him to. He did not live a life that was so bogus and so much above and beyond the reality of what the people God has sent him to. The typical person in the house, government house, the typical person in Azorok, the typical person working in those places do not know the reality of the Nigerian. Because his own petrol is free. The generator is free. The light in his house does not go. He does not need to buy bread. He doesn't need to buy anything. They live in a world far away from us, and that is why their policies never seem to help us. But do you know in ministry is also possible? For someone that God has sent to a people not to align himself with those people? I've seen some of the young men come here and sing to us and sing like he's talking to Americans. We are not Americans of Amotiwa. Iran in the military war. He goes in and he tells Jesus in the house. What house? What house? We are not Americans. Please speak in a way I can hear you talk. My accent is as big as I'm having a stick in my mouth. Don't worry. That's where I was born and that's how I grew up. For you to say, What are you saying? I don't hear it. Our gospel must be made adaptable. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. To the Niger, I became as a Niger. That I may win Niger. If you see me preach overseas, you, you will not know it's me. But when I'm here, back up the bullet in my front of me. You talk about what are you doing now? Huh? When I get to Canada, I know how I'm going to speak, you know. 
you. When you are singing to us, sing the song of Zion. The Bible said they had them in their own language. That's why for some of you who receive texts, when I sent it, I sent it in my own language. I brought out my autocard. I had an autocard home. Oh, please. And I was just, I was ministered to by God from this. And so I penned them in. And I said, let me, let me send it to people who can speak those languages. If you know you can't speak that language, you wouldn't have gotten it from me. I did not send it to gospel. Gospel as what alone. Okay, woman, they can't. You send it to them. Understand the language. At times, I just want to sit down and hear some Yoruba songs. Check your alignment. Tap your name and say, check your alignment. What is the gospel that is relevant? Many of the things that are important don't fit us. So we'll talk about Let me close. One more. I have about three more, but let me give you one more. Let us check our alignment with the world. I love that. Check your alignment with the world. With the world. As a man of God, are you worldly? Jesus came into this world, he said, despite the fact that he identified himself with the world, he did not accept that the world was his home. John 17, 14, John 17, 16, you are not of this world even as I am not of this world. Some of you, men of God, in the name of being, quote, contemporary, you become worldly. You bear worldly names. Bingo, man of God, Reverend Bingo, look at you. Very worldly. You see, if we are not careful in our attempt to attract the world, we may become worldly. We must be able to use the fashion of this world and not become assimilated by it. Though you are in the world, you are not of the world. A man of God is an ambassador of heaven. Nigerians who are ambassadors in the United States don't put on tie and shirt. They put on the kind of clothes you show about ambassador. Well, that's why they wear them. They wear clothes that reflect where they are from. To what extent, woman of God, does your skirt look like the one they wear in heaven? I like good clothes. But I don't like nasty clothes. All in the name of fashion. 21st century madness. People who are naked in the Bible have demonic problems. When the demons are cast out of them, the Bible says they were clothed and in their right mind. Which means there is something to do with your mental state and your clothes. You can be beautiful without being stupid. There are some things that have been reserved for the future. Only one person to see. Don't make it public consumption. Whether you are in this clothes or booba or boo there are some things that everybody should not see. My brother, when you see what you want, you tell her, I've seen it, now cover it, I've seen it, cover it. 
I was in a particular church and the pastor's wife was sitting there and I was preaching. And all the wives was trying to pull down her skirt, uh, uh, her skirt which was already midway between her thigh and her knee. 